Love Talk Radio. Hold on one moment. We're going live on the radio show. Welcome to Weekday Wednesday, Tucson, Arizona's number one online radio podcast about all things medical cannabis. Your host, Bellstar. And the Cannabis Kid. Our show features news, interviews, and all the latest information about anything and everything medical cannabis related in Tucson, Arizona, and the world at large. We'd love to hear from you. Please give us a call live at 646-915-8421. You can like us on Facebook, follow us on all social media, or email thctucson at gmail.com. We'd like to thank Tumbleweed's Health Center and Studio C, along with our many sponsors for hosting our show every week. With the lowest price certifications in town, you'll find hemp products, accessories, and all things related to medical cannabis education. Visit Tumbleweed's Health Center at 4826 East Broadway Boulevard or online at tumbleweedshealthcenter.com. And remember, be smart, be safe, and educate. the real way and see what happens. This is always, you can hear me now? Okay, sweet. All right, now we're on. Welcome to Wednesday Wednesday. This is our little intro. We have an awesome show today. we got Ed Rosenthal and some very special guests who I'm trying to unmute. And I keep saying ask to unmute and it's not doing anything. So um, we're just going to wait for the little intro to go. Thank you for coming to the show again, Ed. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. This is awesome. All right. You got a thumbs up over there. And Michael, are you on? Oh, I think Michael's here. We got a headset over there, too. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think something's happening all around the world here. So I think we have a couple more. Oh, yes. Perfection. We got a couple more guests coming on. Um, thank you for calling in to Wednesday Wednesday, your live cannabis marijuana radio podcast show. I've put everything in there because I'm so bad at technology that I don't know how people find things. So I just throw it all in. So, all right, special show. Thank you, everybody, for being here. And you can hear everything okay? All right, so we're on the show. Well, we are so um, happy and fortunate to have you back, Mr. Ed Rosenthal. We've got the Bible of growing cannabis here. If anyone doesn't have this, you need to rush out and get this book. It's really, really awesome. Yeah, we've got some head nods going down there. Um, Awesome, just awesome. So we had Ed on a couple months ago, and um, I selfishly didn't get to ask all the grow questions I wanted to ask. I thought, well, we'll just ask him to come back on. So <laughs> thanks for coming back on. <laughs> okay. I'm yeah. Ready. All right. So, um, Michael, who's who's with you down there? Oh, now I can. Well, welcome to the show. Qualifier Farm? Yes, that's correct. All right. Yeah, you guys are a little hard to hear. Any chance of turning that up? Or, yeah, maybe sitting closer to the mic. That's nice. All right. And Yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. Awesome. All right. 
and you guys are commercial growers? So we're caregivers right now, but okay. we're in the process of, we, we just finished our application for social equity. Oh. And you know, we have about four different opportunities to sign with, uh, you know how it is in Arizona, with leasing a license if you're not a licensed owner. You're throwing your hat, your uh, numbers in the hat, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're really just being patient and making sure that we partner up with the right team um, so that, you know, we can keep our SOPs and our genetics and mm-hmm. sure that, you know, we're growing for the patient at the end of the day. Yeah. And not our investors. Right. Absolutely. It is for yeah. the patient. Yeah. So, um, Ed, thank you uh, for this book. Do you have any other books coming out, or is this what we're focusing on these days? Is the big Bible of growing? Uh, that's right. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to be doing a book for hobbyists. Um, it should be out in a year, about a year. Hobbyists like uh, myself who just have a room on the side and we grow our that's, six plants. That's, that's right. And, and it will have a number <laughs> of different ways to do it. Oh, sweet. Whatever people feel comfortable doing, they'll be able to do it. Okay, right on. That's one of my um, one of my first questions. If uh, if you if you allow me to go first here, Uh, for the hobbyists like myself, I've been growing for a number of years, but I still consider myself a hobbyist. I still have, in fact, I forgot, and I might just run out and have you talk amongst yourself. I have a couple leaves to just show. Hey, something's going wrong. Um, When you're new at this. When you're experienced at this and you've got a leaf and something's going wrong, where what do you do first? When you see a little yellow tip or something starts to curl or look at your eyes, it's like, oh, God, there's things happening. How do I know if that's a, the room, a nutrient, a bug? You know, where do we start? Well, well you have to – there are several things. One is uh, where on the plant is the leaf. Oh. So, okay. so uh, if – if it's yellow on the top of the plant, it's a different problem than hmm. if it's if the lower leaves are yellow, for instance. Okay. And uh, you have to examine the uh, the uh, uh, the leaf carefully. You might use a uh, uh, a uh, uh, microscope or a loop or something. Uh, something to enlarge it, enlarge it so that you get a better view of it, right. see if there's something attacking it. Okay. And uh, then there are any number of references. Almost every grow book, including mine, uh, defines what the different problems are and has pictures of uh, the pictures of those problems so you can identify them. Okay, so what is happening, let's say, when it starts to yellow at the bottom? What's going on? It's probably a nitrogen deficiency nitrogen. because what happens is nitrogen is mobile in the plant. So so it's going to move from the bottom where it's not getting much light. And oh. It's going to move that nutrient to the top of the plant and then okay. the bottom leaves um, turn to Oh, very interesting. That makes if it's yellow on top, it, it's probably uh, an iron deficiency. Oh, okay. and, that, and that happens because iron isn't mobile. So the top of the plant doesn't get enough iron, and it, it can't make uh, uh, it, 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 it can't make chlorophyll without it. Oh, very interesting. So it leaf turns yellow. Huh. Turns yellow. And so are are these problems you can correct with nutrients or? Yeah. Well, you... it might it might it might be either a nutrient problem mm-hmm. 
or it could be uh, a pH problem because sometimes nutrients become unavailable if the pH that they, they, you know, plants don't eat, they drink. Right. So everything that they get has to be dissolved in the water. So at different pHs, different uh, nutrients fall out of the water, they precipitate. Hmm. So you want to keep the water within uh, like 5.8 to 6.2 pH. Right. And all the nutrients will be available. Okay. Now, will a plant not be able to get nutrients also because maybe a lack of air in the room, too much light in the room? Would that be a problem for plants to absorb nutrients? Well, I don't think that you really can supply too much light to, I mean, I think that you could supply too much light to the plants, but that's usually not a problem if uh, uh, if you're using uh, art, you know, electric light, lighting. Okay. And, and uh, uh, the temperature, uh, the temperature and humidity, uh, um, they could affect the plant, but it's not going to affect individual leaves like that. Usually mm-hmm. you might see that the plants are wilting a little bit or, mm-hmm don't have um, the turgidity, you know, uh, that they normally have. Mm-hmm. So that that would that would be a water problem. Oh, okay. Yeah. So but maybe not enough water. Usually not enough water. Not or, enough water. Or, or overwatering. Overwatering. And, and with overwatering, the mm-hmm. plants uh, eventually the leaves look a little. Um, uh, they, uh, they they look like they're wilting a little bit. It's not that the individual is, but the leaves fall. They start, instead of being right out there, they turn down a little. Huh. And that, that's that's from, uh, from having uh, too much, it's not too much water. It's that the roots don't have enough oxygen. Right, they don't and have so, enough room to breathe. So, okay. so it's... Too much water. There isn't such a thing as too much water. Right. It's a thing of not enough oxygen. In that that space. Right. Right. So, you know, you can grow roots in water as long as the water is oxygenated. Right. Okay. That makes the difference. Yeah. So I'm going to ask one more question before I let some of the other guys get a turn here. So what happens, and I just had this happen recently, and it's very sad to me. So I grow autos, and they grow super fast. You know, yes. they're done in 60 days, 90 yes. at most. And yes. right before harvest, my whole plant just went yellow. And I didn't know what to do. And the whole plant went yellow really fast. Do you harvest that? Do you cook it? Well, well <laughs> can you? How close to, how close to, um, uh, how close to harvest was the plant? It was it was within the two weeks of harvest, so I mean. Well, I, I don't. Well, uh, well, the was it just the um, well? What might have happened there is that you were giving it bloom fertilizer and it wasn't getting enough uh, nitrogen. That could possibly be a problem. Okay, is it salvageable at that point, or what do we just cook it? No, I, I'd have to look at the plant. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. But if it's not salvageable, yeah, cook it. Cook it. That's what I figured. Yeah. Sweet. Right on. Well, we welcome uh, Robert Clark here as a patient here in Arizona. 
and uh, looks like he has a nice little morning joint going. Robert, um, let's see. Um, He's on mute. Yeah. Can you uh, unmute yourself over there, Robert? He's on He just did, and then he was muted again. Try again. And, uh, nope. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, now we can. Now we can. And my first Zoom meeting, (laughs) I had a little problems getting on this morning. That's all right. Welcome. Unmute you guys and didn't realize I was human. There you go. Yeah, that's some Granddaddy Purple, some model flower. Nice. organically grown and, and I also r- rinsed this using Ed's uh, method which uh, definitely improved the flavor uh, I, I enjoy reading some of the uh, articles that he puts out you know on uh, growing uh, I have grown off and on since uh, back during the what I call gorilla days <laughs> <laughs> things were illegal. Uh, you know, I'm glad here in Arizona we can grow again. Uh, I was growing uh, back when we could medically and I grew totally organic. We lost that right and you know we're able to grow again uh, but due to financial constraints I'm doing auto flowers. Uh, my outdoor grow box that I built uh, I, I, I'm not able to uh, stop all the life penetration so to avoid any of those issues I'm doing uh, auto flowers uh, it's it's different I, I, I kind of enjoy the uh, fast turnaround on it you know yeah and it's good, good stuff too I, I, I do have a question for Ed sir um, we've got a lot of people growing here in Arizona for the first time um, what advice would you give a new grower to try and help them uh, keep from developing a lot of issues uh, later on in their growth? Well, the, the first thing is don't don't be too ambitious. Don't try and do something that is going to uh, keep you constantly uh, having to repair it or tend to it, you know, and, uh, or be too much work. Just start out easy and work your way into a, a larger garden. Okay, so keep it simple. Keep it simple to begin with. And then once you get a feel of it, after one or two grows, you're going to probably want to enlarge. All right. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's something I, I try and tell uh, people on some of the uh, uh, sites that I'm a member of is uh, keep it simple. Um, personally, I like using an organic soil with uh, uh, an organic, uh, pretty much organic uh, super soil. So all I got to do is uh, pretty much water. Um, you know, I keep an eye on my leaves, you know, in case I need to uh add some micronutrients or things of that nature but uh, keeping it simple it's real easy with these auto flowers you know you don't have to worry about much and it's it's been enjoyable uh, growing again can't wait until I can afford to uh, 
build a better box and get back to some uh, regular flowers. What What do you think about the auto flowers, Ed? Well, they're they're constantly improving. They're getting better and better, and uh, they, they they make uh, cultivation much easier for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not a political thing. I I just okay. think that anything that helps people be successful in cultivation is something something that they should yeah. uh, possibly consider. Yeah, that's exactly what I did when I first started growing. I, I, I pulled the American easy way out, and I just typed on the computer, fastest growing strain. And an autoflower came up, and at, this was about 15 years ago. And people used to tease me for growing autoflowers, and now, you know, they're all the it's, it's funny. I love them, and, and the medicine for me is really strong. I like all the cushions, OG, kosher kush, the purples. I'm an indica girl, so... Um, you got your favorite pipe out there. Yep. You know what OG stands for? Other okay. girls. What, I'm sorry? Other girls. <laughs> <laughs> gotcha, huh? <laughs> what were you going to say? Well, uh, you know, it, it, it had, you know, old guy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, here, here in Arizona, autoflowers are really uh, beneficial because with the limited plant count that people are allowed to have. Yeah. You know, it means you don't need a whole mom home and beds set up necessarily. Right. You kind of just restart every time with 12 new fresh seeds. Yeah, they're super simple. I love them. You you know, though, in in the fall, let's say you planted um, in in, um, August, right? Um, And uh, actually you would have to give the plant some extra light in order to stop them from flowering immediately. But then when you get you when you get them to that, that right size, you just stop uh you stop uh, the additional light, the light extension, and then the flowers uh flower automatically because it's a fall. And I've done any number of crops with uh, uh regular plants but planting them late in the season so they just grow a little bit before they start flowering and that that so that's a good way of uh doing it late in the season hmm. good idea yeah and, and they and you you know you don't have to cover them or anything because they're just going to go into flowering awesome awesome, awesome. good advice Ed. do you guys have some questions for ed yeah, I actually have a question. Um, recently, with uh, amongst the growing community, uh, a disease called hop latin viroid disease has really popped up and been uh, uh, yeah overlooked, underlooked. And I kind of have a question, Ed, if if you've had any experience with that disease, and is that something that has recently been brought to cannabis or have you come across it in your your uh, career growing cannabis plants um, back in the day sometime? Well, uh, you know, viroid diseases are sometimes it's hard to tell what the cause of the, uh, uh, the problem with the plant is. And uh, it's often difficult to tell whether it's a viroid disease or not. So, the, you know, there's... Uh, uh, there's a mosaic virus similar to a tobacco mosaic virus that also attacks 
there are any number of virus diseases and they uh, they are very they're difficult to control unless you totally uh, clean out use different uh, can't use the same soil or the same medium and uh, have to totally sterilize the, the area so those are difficult diseases gotcha you're not you can't cure the you can't cure the plant gotcha mm-hmm. yeah you just gotta start from scratch and that's right get rid of those genetics and get some new clean ones right gotcha that holds true i guess i mean what what do commercial growers do when that happens is that what you're talking about you just lose the whole thing i mean you lose everything at one point or there's no no turning back from that one well you might be able to get a crop out of the diseased plants hmm. you know it depends how far along how far along the disease is but then after that crop you have to totally clean clean up sterilize be really hygienic and start over mm-hmm. and that includes not only the planting medium but all the tools and accessories everything mm-hmm. right and uh, uh leach and hydrogen peroxide uh can will help but uh you know these viruses they uh they have um uh they have a lot of viability so yeah. you have to be sure to be thorough what uh what medium are you growing is it soil or me uh well i i really like hydroponics a lot Hmm. and uh uh you know hydroponics is really a lot easier than growing in soil because you can change the environment very quickly Hmm. whereas roots and soil you know uh, it takes a while to change the, the environment so um, I do a lot hydroponically and then um, I grow in different planting mediums as well. One of the one medium that I use for hydroponics, I know it's out of favor a lot, is but the but it's uh the uh rock you know, the uh, little uh, ceramic uh pebbles mm-hmm. sometimes called hydroton or things like that. And uh, I really I like them a lot because they're easy to clean and sterilize and they provide a lot of air space between the air space so that the plant roots get a lot of air and the more oxygen that the plant roots get the the, uh healthier the plant the entire plant will be and uh what i use over that is a constant trickle of water so it becomes a nutrient film oh that water becomes a nutrient film over the uh the, the hydrocarbon and uh, it's it's so easy to clean and sterilize to redo and you know uh, and one of the things about it is that you reuse it over and over and over right so you know all that soil that people use once and throw out or rock wool that people use once or twice and throw away mm-hmm. well you don't have that you, you have a so it's very ecological as well. Hmm. You got me thinking about hydro now. <laughs> that circle that you're talking about, um, is that something that you would run 24-7 on your system? or Yes. You would cut that out a few hours before the lights go out? No, no, I, I just run it all the time because, the, the, because it provides, you know, 
the plants are still growing when it's uh, in the dark, right? Mm -hmm. So it's providing the water and the nutrients that they need and all the oxygen. As that water flows, it creates a, a, a venturi effect and a vacuum. So that as the water flows down, it's creating a vacuum, and that draws oxygen air into the into the medium. Nice. And so the roots do really well. And, you, and you're talking in terms of why you like the hydroponic versus say like a soil, because if say you have a problem, you can water it. You know, you you have water trickling over it all the time. So you know, if your pH is off or your parts per million is off, you can adjust it whenever you need to versus a big pot of heavy soil, if it's overwatered, you can't necessarily go back and fix that. You might have to wait for it to dry out. Right. And even then, you know, it, it, it takes a, a while to do. And they're not synthetic. They're just made from, uh, it's just that they're made from, uh, uh, um uh not you know what you know often they're made from uh ores or or mined or something like that and um you know humans have been using a combination of uh organic and inorganic for many many years so uh uh i i don't have a problem with either Gotcha. Yeah, I kind of do. I kind of do a mix myself. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of out over here for a second, thanks to Cox. But um, so I have a question about air and roots. I um, grow in soil. How, yes. do you, how do you get air? So I use the smart pots, which are supposedly smarter. I don't know. They're you know you know talking about. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I just visited. Uh, High Caliper, which is there in Oklahoma City, and I visited their factory. And the the Smart Pots, that's their brand. Yeah. Uh, they are actually sown in the U.S. They have, oh, nice. you know, like everything's made overseas. Right. But well, I, I don't know where the cloth is made, but the actual sewing, the actual right. uh, making that, that's it's. Uh, <coughs> I, I I have to. I have to compliment this co company. First of all, the, the owner of the company is a nice guy, just a nice guy. He, and he, he loves that he's, uh, he loves his workers, the people who work there. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, this person's been there 20 years. This person's been there 25 years. This person is the son of or daughter of somebody who's yeah. working there, family. and it, it's a it's really a happy family. Uh, just everybody there, you can tell that they're they're really happy that they're working there, That's and awesome. and the it it's what you would like all factories to be like. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Most important. It, yeah. Yeah, rather than. Something like Amazon, where they work the, where they work the workers until they have no energy left. Right. Here, it was invigorating being there. Oh, that's so, nice. Well, uh, I like was, the. I, like uh, I, I went there because uh, you know the uh, there was uh, the Imperius uh, show was in Oklahoma City, so I decided to visit, and it was really uh, was really nice to be there. Oh, good. At wow. the factory. That's cool. That's 
that's neat that you yeah. get to go see how that's done. Yeah. Um, fun tour. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so with those kind of pots. Um, yes. What's the best way to get the air on the bottom? Put some rocks down there, or I mean. Well, uh, you could put you could put some rocks down, but you know the the entire uh, bottom drains, so that right. you're going to get air. It's going to drain. It's going to drain. The big thing though is to have a soil that is not so heavy and so compacted, mm. either so heavy or so compacted that mm. it only holds water and there isn't room for air. So you want something that has both large and small pieces right. so that the air can circulate down. Okay. Good idea. Good advice. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think well, does old soil make a difference? Does it matter how fresh or how old or? Well, especially soil? if you're using a peat moss-based soil, the, yeah. the structure breaks down. Uh-huh. So it, it begins to compact. Okay. So you could still use that old soil, but you want to add yeah. some large, larger particles to it okay. could it, yeah okay. so there are a lot of ways to do that you could either add uh uh well you you don't want to add sand because it weighs so much yeah. but you could add something like perlite or uh wood chip you know very small wood chips to it mm-hmm. or other uh large uh material to it cool never but, thought about the wood chip idea yeah so, so you want something that's going to hold water, but is also has large enough spaces between the particles so that it holds air as well. Hmm. Okay. And when you, each time you water, you create a Venturi effect. So as the water goes down, it creates a vacuum above as it drains, as it drains, and that draws air into the soil. Is it ever a good idea to? water from the bottom and let it just soak up? Yeah, you could do that. And one of my favorite ways of growing is using a wick system. And uh, that's outlined in the book. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it's very simple. It's using um, nylon rope that goes into uh, into a tray with water so that it draws water up. And it it has... uh, it has the same effect of drawing water up as a tissue does, oh. you know, and yeah. you know how it draws water up, yeah. and it draws water up into the soil, and you never really have to water. It's called the wick system. Easiest system to use. Anybody can use it. It's a kiss system, and it, it, it it's passively automatic because cool. it draws water as the plant uses it. Wow. That's pretty yeah. perfect, actually. Yeah, and very inexpensive to make. Oh, well, you just need a big giant wake in a bucket. <laughs> right, exactly. Home Depot, here I come. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, I'm going to try that. Oh. And the thing is, if if you had if you had something to regulate the water in the tray below, uh-huh. uh, it, so that it's automated, you could go away for weeks. Wow. As long as it has a, a, an additional reservoir to add water to the tray as it, as, uh, as, uh, the water is used, then, then you could just go away. A friend of mine does that with, uh, big kiddie pools. Yeah. You know, he has these kiddie pools and he has, he puts a, uh, 
he puts a, a rubber pallet into the kiddie pool and then he puts a pot on top of that so the pots are above the water that's in the tray that's in the kiddie pool oh. and uh he, and then uh he has uh, uh a flush valve on it uh uh that's attached to a 55 gallon um barrel and he and he uses that he leaves he 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 doesn't he visits his garden every couple of weeks. Wow, you know because plants don't really need you. They've been doing pretty well for millions of years without people. I don't know if you've noticed that. Like in forests, things they they know how to grow. You don't have to tell them anything. So as long as they have their needs, that is their nutrients, a place for their roots, and you know just those conditions you don't have to be there yeah. you know i mean you might think that the plants love you but you know <laughs> they don't miss you so um let me ask you a question about bucket size so with the autos they grow so quick how many gallon size buckets do you need well it, I mean, you know, it really depends what size the plant is, is going to, you know, is going to grow to. But usually you probably don't need a bucket more than uh, five gallons mm-hmm. for most autos. Yeah. Ten gallons would do better. When when plants have, when plant roots oh. have a larger space to spread out in, the uh, canopy will grow larger. Right. Now, can you take, like, just a big, giant kiddie pool and throw a couple seeds in and let them all root together? Yeah. Why not? The, as as I recall looking at uh looking at plants outside, you know, just uncultivated plants, <laughs> they all grow together. <laughs> so given that, are there some plants like marigold or lavender or mint that you can grow in your room to keep bugs away? Well, marigolds uh, uh, keep certain insects away, and uh, there are a whole list of uh, plants like that. Usually the sage plants, mm-hmm. you know, plants that are in the sage family, yeah. they're really pretty pretty resistant to bugs. And, in fact, I'm involved in, uh, in uh, a company down in Jamaica called Pure Jamaica. And uh, I've been their uh, agricultural director for a few years. And one of the first things that we did, we had a, we had a, a large field, and I had them plant different types of sage plants mm-hmm. in a, a, a five-foot-wide perimeter around the entire field, which, uh, you know, the sage plants are uh, they're perennial plants, so you only have to do that once, but it was a little bit of a job to plant all those plants. But now there's this big protective barrier around the the whole field, so that um, very few insects are going to go through those uh, sage plants. Right. And when I say sage, I mean it's a whole family of plants: right. uh, oregano, thyme, uh-huh. rosemary. Those are all different sage plants. Okay. So uh, so there's this whole uh, barrier around the garden that's hard for insects to get through. I mean, flying insects might get through it, but crawling insects try to avoid it. So we have many fewer insects uh, in the garden than we would 
destructive insects than we would have, would normally have. Nice that they're edible too. Or yeah. Usable. Yeah. They yeah. actually the the uh, next year they're going to start packaging the spices for use wow. in in, in awesome. Jamaica, both in restaurants and yeah. for for home consumption. Yeah. Well, there's so much light in my room. Um, I've got a bunch of seeds for different types of plants and things like that to go, because I don't like wasting energy, and you might as well just use that light, right? So um, got some microgreens, and, um, yeah, that'd be, that's going to be nice to fill that room up. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, happy plant. Yes. Yes. Um, anybody got some uh, got some more questions for Ed before I just keep going? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you kind of brought up light, right? And uh, something we're experimenting right now is uh, LED lights in the bedroom. And we're starting to realize that I think we're going to go back to CMH. Um, what are your thoughts on LEDs and, and vegetation room? You have the wrong, if, you're not, if you feel they're not doing well, you have the wrong brand. And here's the thing is that uh, I cover that in the book a little, that LED lights vary tremendously in the amount of the output that they produce uh, given a, a given amount of electricity. And so some of them are much more efficient than others. And uh, it's called the e efficacy. And uh, you should look at that before you buy a brand, a brand of light. You should look at what their efficacy level is. And... Uh, Usually, uh, usually the numbers are like uh, around, uh, for a good one, it's somewhere near 3 or 3.2. And you'll see that they have an efficacy that they all uh, report their efficacy. And so I think that, uh, that there's a tremendous difference between the brands of LED lights and uh, LED lights should should uh, uh, create a payoff uh, because uh, they should be producing much more light per unit of electricity than other than other lights. So I would check that out. Yeah, my plants seem to really gravitate towards them. Um, and the question yeah. about light is: um, <clears throat> so when you first start your plants and you bring your lights lower, am I correct in this? Yes. Why are we doing that? Because this, is that because the sun starts out lower, goes higher, comes no, lower? No, no, well, 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 you know, you know, light, light spreads, right? Mm -hmm. You know, when, you know, like it, it spreads out, and so okay. uh, when you get put the lights closer, it has less chance to spread out. Okay. So that's why it's more intense. Okay. Now, you know. That's a that's a generalization, and uh, uh, so I've seen people use um, uh, lamps that uh, have have a limited spread, so that mm -hmm. the light is more coordinated and more parallel, and yeah. goes it goes uh, down rather than Same spreading down. out. Same yeah. Bit. yeah. Okay. Because you know sometimes it's a. Uh... It's just that, you know, because you've got different plants growing at different heights. <laughs> right, right. And that, you know, that's a problem that you don't have with sunlight. But you, right. But you do with, with light, you know, with lights. 
And maybe the thing to do is to elevate some of those plants. Yeah. To get them to the level of the others. I do. But, try, but that's one of the reasons why you want to grow a uniform crop is, uh, uh, you know, like like under a specific light, it's often difficult to grow different varieties. Uh-huh. So uh, if possible, you want to have uh, some uniformity right. and it makes it makes a gardening project a lot easier. Yeah. Well, my OG Kush plant, it was turned into a giant bush and that's the one that just didn't do well this last time and the time before it was absolutely fine it came to harvest and it was beautiful and there's not a thing wrong and this time it was like ah (laughs) but that was sudden that that happened right yeah yeah. well i don't know exactly know what it is but you should trace back and see maybe you did something a little differently or maybe something was added to it or you know, maybe you did something a little differently that you didn't even recognize that you were doing yeah. that affected that plant. Because that really, that's not a good sign when the entire plant, you know, just fails. You no, know, and, and now that you say that, I know what I did, and I've added more nutrients this time around than I did last time. <clears throat> and maybe it was not happy with the amount of nutrients I was adding. Could be. Yeah. We like our plants happy. <laughs> Robert, do you have any other questions or a guy? Well, I've, I've been uh, just sitting here enjoying uh, the conversation, uh, learning a little bit. You know, like I said, this, this go-round, I, I went hydroponics. Uh, I mean, not hydroponics, uh, autoflowers. And the, the only issue I, I've seen, I initially started out in three-gallon uh, fabric pots and, and Went went to five because I I had um, real bad yellowing near the end, like you, you're talking about, and you know from researching it and everything, I'm pretty sure I I, I ran out of nutrients, so I went to a five gallon, and everything's looking a lot better. Um, so I, I was going to ask about. Uh, lighting, but uh, that was just just addressed, and I, I really enjoyed that input. Um, but you know, go, going back to what what Ed was talking about, keeping everything uniform. Um, I, I see a lot of people, uh, you know, tying their plants down, um, and, and I was wondering uh, Ed's thoughts on. Uh, you know, tying plants back so that uh, the canopy is even. Yeah. Um, well, uh, you know, people, that's a good way to do it, you know, and, and uh, people do, uh, you know, uh, weave the plants in and around the net to keep them uniform. Uh, those, whatever works. <laughs> okay, so, so it doesn't sound like you... But much one way or the other on the, the you know it's not it's not political. There it is. <laughs> now this this plant shouldn't be political. No. You know, it's yeah. something that I've thought for for a long time is for everybody to have access to this plant so that you can. Um, no, I, I think everybody ought to grow. You know, um, it, it's it's a nice fun hobby. You don't have to spend tons of money and grow massive amounts. Um, but I think everybody ought to have that right to 
be able to plant a few seeds, whether it's indoors or out. And, you know, Kim and I, we, we go back quite a few years on this. You know, we've both been fighting this battle. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate everything that you've done, Ed, uh, in, in fighting for this plant. You know, it's people like you that have made it easier for people like me. Yeah. You know, uh, I've learned a lot uh, uh, from you, you know, just reading your words. And, and you know, I've follow you on Facebook, and I love all those beautiful flowers you showed, especially, uh, that was a beautiful birthday bud you showed, that purple one. Uh, Growing, to me, uh, is very therapeutic. Mm -hmm. Very therapeutic, you know. Uh, When I had my first indoor legal grow room here, I spent a lot of hours out there tending to my plants. I was growing 12 um, in, in soil and, and, and you know, I've done a lot of reading and it, it, it's been fun. We all should be able to just go out there and grow some plants. Uh, you know, gardening is uh, getting your fingers all dirty. That it, it, It's just a beautiful it, thing. It's therapeutic. It's really therapeutic and uh, really, uh, especially in urban areas, uh, people should, uh, I I think that as a policy, um, uh, there should be areas where people uh, can uh, get themselves a little dirty and uh, and do gardening. And for instance, in Holland, they, uh, and in France, there are these areas that have been set aside for individual you know people who live in apartments but individual plots of land so that uh people can uh discover the joys of gardening and it's not just gardening cannabis but you know gardening in general is very therapeutic i think if there were more gardens in inner cities there'd be fewer gangs yeah yeah i I agree yeah you know because it just, you know, we evolved, we evolved with the soil. I mean, it's only in the last couple of hundred years that we've gotten so urban that uh, that people aren't connected to the soil. That's true. That's true. And it's getting worse because, you know, there are more and more housing developments going up that are... Uh, that are uh, they look like private houses or something, but really they're, they're developments that don't have any land around them that people can garden. And I think that that that, that gardens should be part of the planning and housing development. Absolutely. Could even be done, you know, if you have an apartment house, it could be done on the roof. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, but but people should have access to the soil. It it, it you know. We see it. We we see it when people have um, pets like uh, dogs and, for instance, dogs and cats. That that's an association that people have had with animals for thousands of years. You know, people have always lived around animals, so so a lot of uh, language is associated with it, like uh, uh, sly like a fox or. You know all of these uh, different uh, 
uh, sayings that we have about uh, animal behavior that we relate to humans. And that just is an indication of how close we were to animals uh, uh, until the 20th century, really. Yeah. Yeah, we need to get back to that connection for sure. Yeah, um, and uh, I uh, I live in a house with uh, that has a big garden around it, but uh, uh, you know, in um, in a lot of cities now, they're saying that um, you can't uh, build, for instance, Minneapolis. You're not allowed to build private houses in Minneapolis anymore. All structures have to be, uh, you know, more dense, but there's no reason not to have gardens associated with those structures. Right, absolutely. And, and that would that would be it, it would it would be a create a healthier community. Yeah, absolutely. It, I I think a lot of the problems today is because, well, on the same level, people aren't farming anymore, so they wake up with everything already given to them. They don't have to work for it, so they don't know what it means to to not have or to work yeah. for what, you know, what you're growing or, or to live for what you're growing or, you know, to be that connected to that. So, so I, I, uh, I grow a lot of my, uh, some, some of my food hydroponically and, uh, it's outdoors. So, um, it's not, you know, under lights or anything, but one of the things that, uh, uh, so, uh, one of the things that I do is I heat the water. So it's December now, mm -hmm. and I'm still picking tomatoes. Right. <laughs> nice. Because what I do is I heat the water, yeah. and um, that uh, the water under the in the tray, and that and I have a plastic cover that covers both the containers and the tray, okay. and so the the soil stays warm. Right. You, uh, and uh, that warm soil is enough to keep the plants uh, going. It, you know, it's like if you if you warm your feet, your whole body warms up. Yep. Same yeah. thing with plants. And they're not covered outside. They're completely open. The, the plants are out in the open, but the the containers are covered. Right. Sure. With a, a big awesome. plastic wrap around that the whole tray and the containers and everything. So the only thing that's coming up from that plastic cover is the stem of the plants. That's uh, awesome. Yeah. That's really cool. So I know I'm in a, a, a not in a temperate area. It's, it's called a mild area because it never gets too cold. It rarely freezes. Yeah. But even with a, sm a slight uh, frost, uh, my tomatoes, the broccoli, uh, scallions. I, I grow these scallions, but um, what happened was they got away from me and they, you know, you're supposed to pick them at 30 days or 15 to 30 days, but I just let them grow and they grow into onion-like plants and uh, they keep reproducing. So I keep pulling them. I just made a big onion soup and I keep pulling them, but uh, new ones are always uh, sprouting up. So it's, it's continuous. And it's, gardening is so much fun. Well, I'm not just talking about marijuana gardening, but yeah. gardening is so much fun. Uh, children should, just as children should experience uh, sports, mm -hmm. they should experience gardening as part of, yeah. uh, you know, part of their growing up. 
they should have some connection to the soil. We need to bring our home ec classes back and no, start. You know, put, put, put the guns down and stop, you know, put your guns down uh, in terms of, uh, you know, they take, they say, like, I was with some people and they, uh, they're hunters and they take their kids out hunting, but they don't take, have them guard. Right. So they're teaching them, you know, killing, right. but they're not teaching them, they're not teaching them right. something right. that's nurturing. Right. That's true. That's a very good point. you got to have the balance. That's for yeah. sure. Um, I have a question. I, I have a suggestion for all people. Don't buy your 15-year-old gut. <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> that's a question after you ask that question. Oh, yeah. Yo, go ahead. So... If you had your 15-year-old, would you hand them bamboo sticks for an indoor garden or trellis netting, and why? (laughs) (laughs) It really depends on the morphology of the plant, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. And what you're trying to do. And, you know, if, if your plants are successful, as long as your plants are successful, there's no right or wrong way to do it. I mean, there's always a right way. If your plants are successful, it's, you know, you don't have, it's not the wrong, you're not, it's not the wrong method. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, because we have all types of bamboo sticks. Like, even sometimes, you know, with our clones with toothpicks, and then they graduate to the skewer stick, (laughs) and then to the bamboo, and then... Our first harvest together, we used bamboo sticks, and I didn't even know they sold four-foot-tall bamboo sticks. <laughs> wow. So I'm just like, whoa. Nice. But, but, you know, if you have some place to hang the netting, that's very convenient as well, as you, you, know, as you mentioned. There is no right or wrong way as long as the plants are successful, right? I mean, that's the right way if plants are successful. Yeah. So all these people, I, I know I've met people who have a political thing about I'm not going to use hydroponics or soil is outmoded or, you know, and you hear it all, but, you know, it's what, what, what do you feel comfortable doing? That's the question. If you don't feel comfortable gardening in a certain way, you should garden in in a different way.
and I uh, and you know uh, I approached him on this particular issue, and he he hadn't thought of it that way. That are the, the the question is are the roots getting enough oxygen? So when when I first told him that I sometimes run water at 80 degrees, he 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 didn't see it, and you know as, as a possibility. But when he saw the system and saw that the even though the roots were warm, there was plenty of oxygen for them to, to uh, there was plenty of oxygen for them to obtain. Then he, he changed his mind about that. Hmm. On the other spectrum of that, since we all live in the desert and it's super yes. hot, can you put super cold water to the roots? Would that be beneficial for plants if they're outside? Or I haven't tried it, but I would, uh, um, um, I'm not saying I'm sure about this, but I would make the assumption that cooling the roots will cool the plants. Mm. Okay. And and uh, you don't want that water so cold that it shocks the roots, but it could be on the cooler side. Right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, we don't want to shock anything. <laughs> also, another thing to use in the desert is... Uh, you know the five micron water coolers. You, you know, like you go to. You know what I'm talking about. You know how they have those uh, sprayers that oh, yeah. have the really fine spray mm -hmm. uh, that it's only five microns and it eva immediately evaporates and cools the air around it. And you have them all over in Arizona. You know, like for instance, in spaces where people are. Pick, uh, in restaurants, areas, and things like that, mm -hmm. and it brings the temperature down by 20 degrees or so. Yeah. So you, I used a system like that to bring, um, uh, it was the uh, water fans. Are, are you familiar with those at all? That, that water drips onto the fan and then it gets smashed into uh, micron-sized right. pieces. Right. I used fans like that to cool a 5,000 square foot garden wow. that was on a tennis court. Sweet. And so the temperatures were 100 degrees, but my plants were uh, in 80 degree temperature. Huh. Awesome. And you could use that in uh, uh, outdoors in Arizona during the summer. It will really cool the plants out, give them a lot of relief. You can use that for your, gar for your vegetable garden as well. And yep. the amount of water that is used is is it's a slight amount of water compared to the cooling that it does. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We have those mid-systems when you go to restaurants that are lined. Yeah. yeah. Right. But yeah. did you ever think of putting that in your garden? No. That's awesome. So you just put it in your garden and you put it on a uh, you know on a temperature control. Yeah. Right so, and that will keep your garden cool, and it's very inexpensive. It's not like uh, an air conditioner or anything, you know, which takes so much energy. This takes right. very little energy and very little water. It will cool your garden off during the, you know, uh, and keep the plants healthy. Nice. That's awesome. That's a great, fantastic idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and uh, especially in Arizona, that's, it's a perfect area for that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We need that almost all year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty darn hot all year here. Right, Most of right. The year anyway. Well, I was in I was in Phoenix during the summer, and uh, they said, you know, don't go out after 10 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> they're not kidding either. Yeah, yeah. Well, 
especially there. You, yeah. you can come out when the sun goes down. <laughs> yeah, uh, everybody went out. I was with people, and we all went out to eat after the sun, you know, uh, in a restaurant after the sun went down, yeah. 8, 8 p.m. And it's still hot, but it's just the perception of not being as hot. <laughs> not as hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's still pretty hot. Awesome. Well, Ed, thank you so much for being here. We could probably go for another, you know, couple days. <laughs> And thank you, everybody, for, for coming on the show and asking Ed such awesome questions. I've learned a tremendous amount. I'm going to have to go back and listen to the show over and over. Um, and we hope to see you uh, next year. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, I was chatting with Claudia and throwing some ideas out um, for next year. And uh, let's keep in touch and tell everybody out there on the radio show where they can get your book. And, oh, and well, you can, of course, you can get it on Amazon. You can get it uh, through my, uh, you just go on my website, you know, on my sites, and you can buy the book on the sites. And if you buy the book directly from me, you get a uh, photograph. It's not a, it's not like a lithograph. It's an actual photo. It's a six by nine photograph. And, um, suitable for framing of a bud and I have several different photos that go out and every uh, you, you could buy it also in books bookstores all over the country it's it's w well distributed that's awesome yeah this cover yeah. here is really beautiful it's almost like scratch and sniff <laughs> yeah So, and I want to mention, like, uh, you know, it's a thick book, and it has a lot of information, but that it was designed in such a way that whether you're a novice doing planting a plant for the first time, or you're an experienced grower, you, you will, both, both groups of people will get a lot of information out of the book, and the book, we we kept the jargon out of the book, so it's easy to understand. You know, a lot of the time people don't understand scientific concepts because of the terminology, and yeah. you're reading it, and it, you know it's English, but you don't understand what they're saying. We avoided that, yeah. so that you could be a first-time gardener and take that book and grow a wonderful garden with it. It's not an intimidating book once you get into it. Right. Nice. Thank you. And the pictures are awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. You know, I didn't do the Most of the photos are by other people. And that is that such a, there's such a wonderful group of uh, uh, cannabis photographers that they certainly outshined a lot of my photography. And, you know, rather than saying, oh, everything has to be mine and everything. Yeah. No, people have to get the best. Yeah. Well, right? know, That's the important. That is. And I think in a few years when our government goes completely legal, you'll have the pop-up version where you open it up and a bud pops up. <laughs> Instapot. It's coming soon. You have to show your ID to get this book. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Ed. Thank you, everybody. Um, take good care of yourselves and happy growing and happy Wednesday, Wednesday. Thank, thank you. you so much for having me. Yeah, it was truly you. a pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning in to Wednesday, Wednesday, the special edition of Ed Reynolds and Paul, uh, Growers Forum.
We're always happy to have Ed here. Um, he's just a, a wonderful guy and super fun and super knowledgeable. I can't, I seriously, my mind's blown with everything I've learned. Uh, thank you, Ed. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Check out uh, Wednesday and Wednesday at TumblebeeCalcenter.com. And have an awesome day, everybody. Take good care. Happy Wednesday. Bye. Bye, guys. Be smart, be safe, and educate. We say Wednesday. Mind blowing. Oh, yeah, for the best of 17 days until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>